0: Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. Your host, Felicia Gopal, founder of collegefundingresource.com, will be interviewing professionals each week that are currently working in one of the top 100 careers for 2011. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position we want to expose you to the varied and distinguished careers of our guests and to perhaps inspire you to consider following in their footsteps or better yet blaze your own trail so sit back and relax as felicia interviews professionals about how they came to be in the top 100 careers
1: hello everybody this is felicia gopal in another episode of the career 100 podcast we're continuing our interview series with professionals who are sharing their background and knowledge of their chosen field with our audience study shows us that students who have given some thought to the majors in advance of attending even their first day of college tend to graduate sooner with less and fewer zigzags along the way today's guest will be sharing about the anthropology field and from my review of her background She won't be sharing my dry image of anthropology. She's lived in England for two years in Peru for six months and has traveled extensively around the globe. That's something that her and I share. Her greatest goal is to help people see and understand the world, which is completely aligned with my reason for starting this particular podcast series. As a cultural anthropologist, and we'll have her tell us a little bit more about what that means, she's helped develop strategic processes for brand anthropology, and in that process, she enables the profiling of brand communities using state-of-the-art metrics and anthropological methodologies. Emily, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the call. Thank you very much for having me. All right, perfect. So tell me a little bit about anthropology. I know that it's the study of humanity, but how does a cultural anthropologist distinguish yourself from just anthropology in general?
2: That's a good question. Within the anthropological field, there are a couple of different sub-fields. So when you focus as an academic on kind of what area of people and culture that you want to investigate, you can choose a couple of different ways of doing that. There are linguistic anthropologists that focus solely on language and how that helps to shape and change culture. There are anthropologists that study physical anthropology, meaning the things that we give meaning to in our lives and have throughout history. So they may go on archaeological digs for pottery or for old cities. And then they're also going to be studying signs and symbols, textiles, and the actual things that we have in our lives. I'm a cultural anthropologist, which means that I focus much more on behavior, rituals and symbols, and different kinds of traditions, religion, economics, politics, the kinds of social forces that people participate with in their worlds and in their worldview to connect them to one another and to the culture that they live in. Perfect. Now, one of the things that I find in common with a
1: number of the guests that I've had for this series is oftentimes it was a class or a person that led them to, in your case, anthropology. Is that the case for you?
2: It actually was a book in my case. I had never been out of the country when I was in college, and I spent a summer reading a book about Australia and about the Aboriginal culture there. And it really opened my eyes to even just the fact that there were people around the world who organized their lives and their cultures and their belief systems very differently than we did. I mean, I knew that as someone who was 20 years old, but I hadn't really thought about how that could be something that I could focus on and study for my life and could really be interesting. Outside of just reading. So I read this book and then I went back to college and thought, hey, you know, maybe I could get credit for reading books like this. And kind of investigated different social sciences and ended up finding that anthropology was the discipline in which I could spend time thinking about Japan and places in Africa and places throughout Latin America, all within sort of one area of study.
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that you should say that because my father was in the military, so I grew up traveling around the world. And I know Mm -hmm. that by traveling all around the world, I was in Japan, I was in Turkey, I was in Europe, I was, you know, all over the United States it gave me a broader view of the world than somebody who hadn't traveled, and that's one of the things that I think is really important, and it seems to be one of the things that would be compelling about somebody who was studying anthropology in general. It gives you a view of the world in your study of the different ways that people, as you said, think and organize their relationships and their customs.
2: Absolutely, and I mean, it was... That book and then the you know, the first couple of trips that I took out of the country were definitely a catalyst for just passion for anthropology and my passion for world travel. I think that that's one of the big benefits of anthropology or a big kind of perk of following that discipline and of trying to create a career or, or a life as an anthropologist is that it opens up a lot of doors for international travel and for really neat experiences abroad.
1: That sounds really, really fascinating. As somebody who loves to travel, my kids are now at that point where they're old enough for me to be thinking about traveling. And one of my daughters was talking about taking a Chinese class. And so I've already planned her to be taking it for the next, you know, eight years so that we can plan a huge trip to China at the end of that time. i a person who loves, loves, loves to travel. So tell me, what do you like about being an anthropologist?
2: I like all of the opportunities that it's given me. I think it's not a career path or it's not even a major in college or something that that folks think about very often. In the past, anthropology has really just been an academic discipline and if you were an anthropologist, you wanted to go live with a a tribe or a culture in a foreign, faraway place for a couple of years and write a book about it and then become a teacher and, and teach about it. And in the last, I would say, 10 years or so and maybe a little longer in other parts of the world, in Europe and in the United Kingdom. The discipline of anthropology has changed quite a bit and the applications of anthropological thinking and the perspective on the world have created what within the anthropological field we call applied anthropology. And there really are kind of two different subsets of career paths within anthropology. You either still can pursue a PhD, pursue teaching jobs, pursue tenure, and and become an academic and a professor, or you can become an applied anthropologist. That's where I've really started to thrive and where I've really found a lot of great opportunities that have made me more excited than just kind of the academic world. I've been able to work in branding and marketing. I've been able to work with a lot of different businesses. I've been able to help a lot of nonprofits think through their place in culture and what that means for fundraising and what that means for how they talk about themselves and what kind of events they have, and also to think through what different kinds of businesses and different kinds of nonprofits areas need or could benefit from. So there's sort of still that really rigorous, for lack of a better word, academic mindset that I have when I'm thinking about different kinds of people, different kinds of cities, different kinds of cultures, and what's going on within them and what they might need to solve some of their biggest issues. But then there's also that practical application of actually going out and doing the work and helping to create things and consult and help businesses and nonprofits. Great. So when you're helping a
1: business or a nonprofit, take me through a Mm -hmm. for instance so Mm -hmm. that somebody can really see themselves. In the role of an anthropologist?
2: Sure. Well, there's two parts to it. There's the anthropological perspective, and then there's also the application to whatever, in this case, branding and marketing. So, while my academic training and my degrees in anthropology gave me the one half of it, you know, job experience and work experience helped with the other half. So, I was very fortunate that I worked at an advertising agency within a sort of consumer insights research group that helped me to figure out how to kind of combine those two. So now when I do a project, I can do the anthropological research and I can, for example, I did a great project on cell phones and how people are using cell phones, mobile technology, and the internet, which is a very branding, marketing, tactical, product-oriented type of question. But then we were also applying that to the idea of identity, which is a very anthropological question, how people Create themselves, create meaning for themselves, how they form their identity, what different kinds of symbols and rituals and brands they purchase and services they subscribe to, what kinds of colors they like, all of those different, more branding and marketing oriented kinds of knowledge coupled with this much more anthropological knowledge about how identity is formed and shaped within culture. So I went and visited with people in their homes and talked to them and watched them on their phones and talked to them about what they think of internet privacy, how they decide what they're going to put on, a, for example, a Facebook page or any other kind of online profile versus what they're not going to put there, and how that helps them to shape different kinds of identity. So the client was a big business and was really interested in the application of that knowledge to the kinds of products and services that they were going to provide to people. But the questions were much more anthropological in nature and how they were investigating different ways that culture has changed because of technology.
1: Excellent. And so really what it is is it's not just, if you will, a dry, this is what people are doing, but it's also how they're using what they're doing in their everyday lives to yep. match and project who they are. So one person might choose the cheapest phone and that might say something about them. And another yep. person would always have the latest technology and that says something else.
2: Yep, the client was interested in that entire spectrum of all those different kinds of people and what they were interested in. Another way that I often explain it to people is that an anthropologist in a very pure academic sense is someone who takes a look at a cultural group like a tribe and does an analysis of what's going on with within that group for specific reasons or with specific questions. An applied anthropologist does the same thing. They just have a much more liberal definition of what that, quote, tribe, unquote, might be. So it could be hockey moms, or it could be cell phone owners, or it could be teenage girls who use a various service or purchase a certain brand. And then you apply the same kind of thinking and framework that an anthropologist would use to investigate that tribe, use the same kinds of questions. I ask a lot of questions about rituals and traditions and symbols, and I look for different ways that people are relating to one another, creating genealogies, if you will, but they're not necessarily because of blood relation. They may be because of school or because of different products that they're purchasing, and I use those different kinds of frameworks for analysis within the cultural group that's my consumer base instead of a tribe that lives in Africa or somewhere in southern Peru.
1: All right. Well, that sounds really fascinating. So when you think about that, you talked about there really being, here in the United States, two different ways to be an anthropologist. One is you Mm -hmm. talked about it being in terms of academics, and the other one you talked about it more in the business, or you called it the applied application of anthropology. Is there a particular uh, career structure within the applied part of anthropology?
2: I would say there hasn't been in sort of historically within the field of anthropology there hasn't been that's changing very rapidly. I know a lot of my colleagues are professors and you know are teaching within schools and they're very concerned with their students' future as well. And they also are really excited about the fact that there are these new ways of folks who you know students who graduate with anthropology degrees there are so many more options for them than just becoming academic, because it means it'll grow the discipline for them as well. So there actually are applied anthropology courses that you can take now. I know, for example, at the University of Minnesota, they offer a course called Anthropology in Business. A lot of those types of things are starting more and more, and then the career counseling goes along with that as well. So those anthropology departments are starting to counsel their students on ways to apply their degree, not just within an academic sense. Okay, Great. So if somebody
1: was interested in being an anthropologist, is there an interest or a major that they would pursue as an undergraduate? You know, could they go on campus and look for an anthropology group? I'm just kind of trying to understand what happens at the undergraduate level to the extent that you
2: know it. Yep. My major in college was anthropology. I would say probably all liberal arts schools have an anthropology department. Most big universities have an anthropology department as well. It would fall within the social sciences part of the school, whether that's a social sciences school within a university or just sort of a family of disciplines. It would be very closely related to a sociology department, a psychology department, anything that the school was offering within the social sciences. And then, uh, yeah, I would think that they have groups. My college did not. I mean, there wasn't a, an extracurricular anthropology group that I knew of, but again, that wasn't really the way my school operated. There weren't any of those. We just had our departments and then our majors, and then you took classes outside of your major to graduate as well.
1: Okay. So one of the things that I find with people who are interested in people is they tend to be curious people. They they tend to be people who like to view the world not necessarily through a particular lens. Is that something that you would say is in common with most of the anthropologists that you know? Is
2: there a curiosity? Absolutely. I think curiosity, especially when it comes to people and why they believe and behave in the ways that they believe and behave, the core characteristic of a great anthropologist.
1: And is there application for applied anthropology? You talked about in business, you also talked about nonprofits, but it seems mm-hmm. like there might be a place for it in other areas. Absolutely.
2: I think that applied anthropology side of the equation is limitless. I know a lot. I know anthropologists who work for National Geographic. I know anthropologists who have finished their PhDs and have an incredible local knowledge of a geographic or cultural population. And then we'll go to work with the government there or we'll work with businesses that are trying to begin business in those different countries or areas, or they'll work with aid organizations or, or that sorts of thing. Not just American government, but governments are big employers of anthropologists because of the language skills and the local cultural knowledge that they acquire. Again, big and small nonprofits for the same reasons. Any types of business, whether they're domestic or internationally focused, you know, one of the huge skills that a lot of anthropologists come out of there, especially their Further degrees or higher degrees are incredible language skills. It's not like it's Spanish or Italian. It's some, you know, one of the 15 languages that's spoken in a certain country or something like that. So they do have a really particular skill set. At the same time, there are a lot of anthropologists that I know that are, again, working in more like consumer research types of areas, and so they work for Fortune 500 companies within their strategic marketing and consumer insights departments. So I think one of the biggest benefits of the training in anthropology is that you're trained to see big processes and big systems. You're trained to see how and why people are interacting the ways that they are. So strategic planning is a big area where a lot of anthropologists work because you're seeing the whole of the business or the whole of the organization at work. You understand the politics, the hierarchies, and all of the different systems that are at place there. So there are a lot of anthropologists that work in strategic planning, that work as consultants to management and organizational consulting, and as well as just coming in as strategic planners within big businesses and big corporations throughout the country and throughout
1: the world, really. One of the things that sounds really intriguing about this particular career field is the fact that you said that it's limitless, and at least on the applied side, it seems to be really in its infancy. So I can tend to see that somebody who has a curious mind is interested in looking at cultures and seeing how various different things affect cultures could take that and really go anywhere. Would you agree? Absolutely.
2: Because of how you just explained anthropology as kind of a career field in its infancy, one of the other core characteristics of someone who's a good applied anthropologist is someone who's a self-starter, who's motivated, and who can see the application and see how they're mindset and how their perspective is useful and bring that to someone. They're not going to be a lot. Well, there are more and more now, but they're not going to be, if you have your heart set on working for a certain business or a certain area, they're not necessarily going to have a job posting for an anthropologist, but they may have a job posting with a different title or you may be able to pitch to them, I really think you could use my mindset, my skills, my training, and my worldview in your organization because of these reasons. There are a lot of anthropologists that I know that are sort of making up their own jobs and pitching them to people and being very successful in that because they are motivated and they can see where they fit even if the organization hasn't had the foresight to see that as well. All right. So one of the questions I always
1: ask is, why do you think that an anthropologist is on the list of the top 100 careers?
2: I think right now it's because there are so many opportunities for anthropologists within those bigger corporations. Particularly in the United States, but probably internationally, there is a mind shift away from only hiring MBAs to work in your business because of the training that they've had and really appreciating the diversity of thought and the diversity of training that you can have in your organization if you have a couple of MBAs and a psychologist and an anthropologist. And anthropology, because of its very short but very powerful history within advertising and marketing and consumer relations and branding i think the success that anthropologists have had in those realms have catapulted it into the forefront i also think international relations is a huge piece of that globalization and the ways that companies work internationally mean that they need to have people who understand that there are people in the world who don't think like they do have to be able to tailor their thinking have to be able to walk in someone else's shoes and understand why they're making the decisions they're making and understand how to work with them again negotiating a lot of different cultural factors like politics and religion and, you know, big, big cultural questions like race and ethnicity and religion and age and background and all of those things that you're going to find in any business. So as companies become more global and become more interested in participating on a global scale, that skill set is really, really important to them. Okay, perfect.
1: So do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us?
2: I mean, I absolutely love being an anthropologist. I think it's an incredibly rewarding and everyday interesting career path for myself. Every day is different in in my line of work. And I meet so many amazing people through, you know, through all the channels that I encounter every day. And I really do encourage, I always encourage people to follow their passion. And so if A student has a really keen interest and a keen curiosity in people and culture and understanding international forces, not from just an economic or business standpoint, but from a cultural standpoint. Anthropology is really a a fascinating way to go about investigating those things. Great, Emily Hitch, would
1: you be willing to share some ways that people can contact you?
2: Yes, I do have a business, actually, that I have started in the last couple of years that is an anthropological consulting practice, and I have a website and an email associated with that, and it's called Thinkers and Makers, and the website is thinkersandmakers.com, and that has my email address available on it as well. All right, perfect. I'm also open to anyone connecting with me on LinkedIn. So I just wanted to
1: let you know that you can get a hold of Emily Hitch at her LinkedIn address also, and we'll have... I'll link to that in our notes. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Career 100 podcast. As you know, I'm extremely passionate about sharing this message with the world, and I'm incredibly thankful that you found the show and have been listening to me week after week. Emily, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and sharing why you believe an anthropologist is one of the top 100 careers. And I want to thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join us again for the next episode of the career 100 podcast
0: thank you for listening to today's edition of the career 100 podcast we hope you'll join us again for our next podcast where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011 giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.